Hey, it's Damian Barling reminding you to check out the Sacramento Kings podcast right here on the Hoop Ball Podcast Network for all of your Sacramento Kings news and notes. You can follow me on Twitter at Damian Barling, and you can follow us at Hoop Ball Kings. Don't miss a single episode of the Sacramento Kings podcast right here on the Hoop Ball Podcast Network. The following is a Hoop Ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Basketball's back, you turds. We did it. We made it. Yeah, I called you turds. Sorry about that, everybody. I just got a little bit excited with hoops back. Hoops are back. Two games. Two games were back. But today, today's kind of the real thing now. Yesterday was the tease. Tonight, we start, well, today. It's not tonight. Games begin, I think, at 11.30 Pacific time. Is that possible? Yeah, that's possible. Oh, that's great news. I thought it was 12.30 or 1. It's even earlier. (laughs) Sorry, boss. I ain't getting anything done after 11.30 today. I actually probably wasn't anyway, but that's for childcare-related reasons. But I'm definitely not getting anything done after 11.30 now. Orlando, Brooklyn, 11.30 to kick off the midday basketball slate. Oh, man, what I would give to have midday hoops every year in a non-pandemic, non-urgent national emergency situation. Hope you guys enjoyed our chat with Josh Millman yesterday and my ridiculous closing music. Of course, a song from uh, the musical episode of Scrubs. If you guys are wondering what the hell that was, you should go watch it. But back to normal today, Dan Solo, as we head towards the weekend. Happy Friday, everybody. It's Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I'm your host, Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Hoopball is hoop-ball.com, and hoopball on Twitter is at hoopballfantasy. Shout out to our guys over on the DFS and gaming divisions right now, and I'm probably going to do that at the beginning of almost every podcast because, look, Simple fact of the matter is, yes, this is kind of our flagship show. It was the first podcast at Hoopball, blah, blah, blah. It's also less uh, important than the DFS and gaming shows right now. I'm willing to admit that. I'm willing to admit that. The DFS guys, which, by the way, hell of a team we've built over there. Mike and Santino kind of running the program for the DFS club, and then three newcomers, Aaron, Brenton, and Steven, and you can get to know each of them by listening to DFS Today. That's the name of the podcast. Again, that's DFS Today, available everywhere podcasts are found. And um, a number of you did kind of come back out of the woodwork and listen to yesterday's show. That started things off. They've already got today's episode out. It airs the night before. These guys record their DFS podcast the night before. So today's episode of DFS Today was released at about 10, 11 o'clock last night Pacific time. It's an initial look at the DFS card. And then, of course, you can follow those guys, the whole team on Twitter, for midday updates, injury news, breaking stuff, all that, whatever adjustments you can make to your roster. So definitely go check out DFS Today. Also, Today in Sports Betting is the name of our gaming podcast. Also more important than this show because 
they're going to give you betting picks. I mean, for goodness sake, people, you got sports betting stuff to do. NBA's back. Baseball's back. You got things to bet on. Please go check that out. That's Ira, Devin, Troy, and then guests. Today in Sports Betting, the name of that podcast. Definitely go check that one out. So shout out to those two teams here at HoopBall for getting things rolling when they desperately needed to get rolling. As far as today goes on this show, we're kind of doing normal stuff right now, which is super weird. It's extraordinarily odd to feel like we're just kind of getting back into the swing of things, but effectively, that's what's going on now. We have two results to break down. We have a six-game card to kind of look ahead to. Uh, We'll take a peek over the weekend. We're not going to do things quite the same way we did during the regular season. We don't need like a reverse chronological lightning round one day because, look, simple fact is we're not game planning for long-term pickups here. We're not trying to hunt for upside. We're just looking for guys that can pop off for one or two games if they're not you know, one of your top couple of guys. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's that's where we're at now. Um, as far as yesterday goes, so let's just start there and we'll kind of work our way through things chronologically. The, uh, the news of the day is that everybody that was questionable to play ended up playing, although Zion played limited minutes. Anthony Davis was his normal self. He scored 34 points in that ball game. And I think the other... The other big thing is that Paul George was awesome. Paul George looked great. He had the best fantasy line of the night in either of the two games. And we figured he would be a nice value with all of this time to finally get healthy. And sure enough, he is. One thing that I kind of hate, actually, about this resumption season is that guys like Paul George, who were probably going to get drafted you know, near 20 again next year and then have top 10 upside, this eight-game sprint for a lot of people is going to wipe that out now that everybody's going to be reminded of how good he is when he's actually healthy. Which, by the way, just points back to our one of our biggest rules of thumb. Don't draft guys that are injured coming into the season. It seems so simple when you look back at it, but there's so many reasons to do so. Not only all of the benefits of not having a guy who's going to underperform, but also you're sort of set up in the catbird seat to watch those guys stink and then know that you dodged it and you're ready to dive in when they become a little bit more of a post-hype or uh, post-disappointment, maybe a bit more effective way to describe it, kind of guy the following year. Shout out to Hoopball as a whole. 100,000 fantasy news blurbs. How completely crazy is that? 100,000 since its inception. So congrats to Hoopball for uh, the entire editing staff, the written staff over the last three and change, four-ish years. Really three seasons, I think, worth. 100,000 fantasy blurbs. That's absolutely crazy. There wasn't really any other NBA, key NBA news that broke. You know, there are little tidbits here and there. Um, You know, Richter Oladipo remains questionable. We don't have a big breakdown we need to do on that 
little nugget of news. Kelly Oubre is not playing, which we absolutely figured was going to be the case. So, you know, those little pieces didn't end up being a big thing. Um, Rodion Skurix, who we talked about uh, with Josh Millman yesterday, he's probable. Damian Lillard is probable and, quote, expects to play playoff minutes as the Blazers fight to try to steal that last playoff spot. Joel Embiid practiced. Aaron Baines practiced but is questionable. So, again, we're not making any large-scale decisions based on this stuff. Oh, and Eric Bledsoe was ruled out. I think that was probably... Uh, that was probably the one thing that we kind of expected. I thought maybe he might be a partial participant in their game, but he's going to sit it out. And uh, Eric Gordon is uh, basically out for the resumption campaign. So we, we, I think we mentioned that on yesterday's show. All right. All right. So, yesterday. Yesterday, two ball games. Utah beats New Orleans 106-104. Again, I know Zion didn't play his full complement of minutes, but everybody is was diving onto the New Orleans thing, and that, I mean that was a fade from here to the end of the earth. And uh, Lakers won, but uh, did not cover, so the underdog actually covered in that game, which is what we talked about with Josh on the podcast yesterday. As far as fantasy stuff goes, we'll break down all of the different angles here because you know what the hell else we got going on. Donovan Mitchell was pretty solid for Utah he had twenty. Five and five with three steals and a block. Jordan Clarkson was actually quite effective off the bench with 23 points. He's not bashful. He led the team in shot attempts with 17. Five rebounds, three assists, couple of steals for Clarkson. Generally good at the free throw line, so that's helpful for him. Mike Conley took 16 shots, 20 points, four assists. We knew he was going to have to do more. The disappointment in, uh, by the way, Royce O'Neal also looked really good. 12 and nine with two steals and a couple of three balls. He was one of our kind of want to take a stab super late in your uh, resumption draft and largely went undrafted. You're probably going to see him getting picked up in some spots after yesterday's performance and uh, not the craziest thing in the world. Although, worth mentioning, I know this was only 106-104, a game that went way under the posted total. This is also one of the softer defenses that Utah will face during this resumption campaign. Joe Ingles, I think I would argue, was the disappointment with five turnovers, 13-3-2 with a couple of steals. That said, um, you know, if, if he gets a couple more assists in that ballgame, you're pretty close to what you were gunning for. You know, keep the turnovers lower, add maybe two assists, maybe an extra three-pointer, and then he's rolling fine. So I think he'll be okay. Otherwise... Nothing completely out of the ordinary. A team that's trimmed down without Boyan Bogdanovich, you knew the other guys were just going to have to take a few more shots. With Zion on a minutes restriction due to conditioning, he had 13 points and one assist in 15 minutes, went six out of eight from the field. He was actually pretty good when he was on the floor, but just frankly didn't have much time. Lonzo was ice cold, two for 13 from the floor. He'll be better in the next one. I know most of these leagues probably aren't allowing trades, but that would be a great time to try to go by on Lonzo. Derek Favors ran into Rudy Gobert, his old teammate, only was able to put up two points, did have eight rebounds, three assists. I mean, he was effectively a couple of shot attempts away from what you wanted. He played 29 minutes. Most of the time, if he's going 28, 29 minutes, which he won't, by the way, when Zion gets up to full speed, he'll be probably more in the 23, 24, 25 range. And, you know, you'll see probably less Jackson Hayes than his 19 minutes. Um, Favors should be okay. He's plodding type. We've talked about it. He's a plotter. 
at this stage of his, uh, okay, career, but, you know, big man team that wants to run. J.J. Redick was surprisingly good. I don't think he'll be this good most games. Brandon Ingram was without an assist while shooting 7 for 20 from the field, and the with Zion around Brandon Ingram situation appears to be rearing its head. Was good to see Drew Holiday play well, though. 25 and 4, three steals a block, couple of three-pointers. He was really good aside from the six turnovers, and uh, so maybe you get a really nice resumption campaign out of him. Um, we were... We were medium high on holiday. I think this was better than expected. In game two, there were very few surprises, really. Uh, KCP did almost nothing. I thought he would do a little bit more. Dion Waiters did something. I thought he would do a little bit less. Alex Caruso played a bunch, but doesn't have much in the way of fantasy game, even though he does help quite a bit when he's on the floor. This is a team that, with Anthony Davis and LeBron James healthy, is generally a two-man operation. Kyle Kuzma had 16-7 and seven with a block and four three-pointers. That's a really good game for him, but I don't know that he can keep that up on eight shots. LeBron took 19, was actually pretty bad, aside from some nice defense and a, and a game winner late. AD had 34 points. He was quite good and somehow didn't have any defensive stats. Go figure all that one out. That's a two-man team right now. But the reason we drafted guys like JaVale McGee, who actually was pretty good in only 11 minutes, is that at some point, AD's going to rest. He will. By beating the Clippers, the Lakers really put themselves in position to lock up the West. Remember, they came into this with a five-and-a-half game lead. We looked at it and we were like, look, they only got to win three games to get this thing done. By beating the Clippers, they made it even easier on themselves. Because now, with a six-and-a-half game lead, the Lakers only need to win one more game. There's only seven games left in this thing for the Lakers and the Clips. They win one more game, they've locked up first place. Now, that said, you will continue to see LeBron and AD in at least a few of the remaining games. Let's say the Lakers beat the Raptors in the next one. Which, by the way, I think there's a very real chance the Lakers lose that game after beating the Clips. But, you know, let's say, let's say they win it. With six games left in the resumption and a six-and-a-half game lead, they will have locked up the number one seed. I think you'll see... You might see them alternate game on, game off. I think you'll probably see them play a little bit more than that. Maybe play a couple more, try to get their legs underneath them when they start to feel comfortable. Maybe after four games, maybe AD takes off the fifth, plays in the sixth and seventh, sits the eighth, something like that. And you might see something similar with, with LeBron, or maybe they stagger them. Tough to say. Might as well just sit them both, right? What's the point of staggering them? You want to experience if one goes down in the playoffs? Who cares? If one goes down in the playoffs, you're going to lose that game. I guess unless it's the first round. Clippers side, also, same kind of thing. When Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are both fully healthy, it's a two-man team. With the possible bonus nod to a center. Personally, I think a lot of us thought Ivica Zubats would do more in this game. He did nothing. Two points, three rebounds, a steal, and a block. Yuck. In 15 minutes. Yuck. With no Montrez Harrell. You know who got the boost in this one? Tupat and Jermichael Green. Jermichael Green played 29 minutes. And, I mean, he's a decent basketball player. I thought you might see more Marcus Morris at the five. He actually only played 19 minutes in this ballgame. And then Tupat played 22 minutes. 
That was pretty weird. I know, Zubats gets roasted by the Lakers. That's just how it goes. You, you would have thought more opportunity dealing with guys like JaVale and or Dwight Howard. But as much as the Clippers love Zoo, he can't really keep up with a team like L.A. He can't. The other L.A. The, the you know, the one in gold. Montrez Harrell was not there. He will put up some fantasy value when he comes back. We saw there were issues with his game, however. His field goal percent had come down due to fatigue. Maybe that won't be quite an issue here. You know, we don't know when he's coming back, by the way. Might, might not be until the playoffs. But if he comes back, I think you'll see better field goal percent because he's had plenty of time to rest up. Um, free throw percent remains a concern. And then Lou Williams is is always overvalued. Always. His game predicated on scoring and assists. And so if he's the third or fourth option on this team, those just it's just not going to be there. Reggie Jackson played 34 minutes, despite Patrick Beverly playing 16 minutes in this game. And uh, Reggie played 34, had 10, 6, and 4. It was actually decent enough. You know, missed, it, missed some shots, had some turnovers, didn't get any defensive stats. But we talked about him being a little bit of a flyer if Pat Beverly had to miss more time. Uh, but Bev was just getting his conditioning up, and so those guys now will, will go back to splitting. So you can punt Reggie Jackson to the curb. This was sort of his one, and I didn't even think this was going to be an opportunity for him, but ultimately it did turn out to be one. Are we making any large-scale moves? Uh, not really. I think KCP will be better in their next one. He played 30 minutes. That's enough for him to do something as kind of a 3-and-D type of guy, and he just couldn't get into the mix. I mean, the, the poor guy was stuck on either Paul George or Kawhi Leonard the entire ball game. You want your, your one-way ticket to not being able to do much on offense? Have that looking down the barrel at you on the defensive side. Clippers shot 43%, Lakers shot 39%, and won. Utah, 44%, Pelicans, 43%. Who's surprised by the rust showing up after a four-and-a-half-month layoff? Both games going under. Utah-New Orleans by 19, Lakers-Clippers by 16. Neither one really all that close. And it wasn't like the pace was horrible, you know? The pace was fine. Really, in both ball games, the pace was okay. Neither team could hit a shot. None of them. It's going to take a minute. Plus, they're getting used to these weird surroundings. You got all these bright monitors behind the screens. You might see another host of unders here tonight, today slash tonight. Orlando, Brooklyn, Memphis, Portland, Phoenix, Washington, Boston, Milwaukee, Sac, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas. I mean, there's some big numbers on the board in, the, in a few of these games, at least. The only one I could see maybe going over would be Orlando, Brooklyn, for the same reason we've talked about a million times, which is, has Orlando picked up the pace? Before we get into some of this stuff, I want to remind you guys of our partnership with the good folks over at Manscaped.com. Uh, if you're thinking about getting a lawnmower, do it first thing next week. Do me that favor. Let's get it into August because we want to keep looking good and hint, hint, wink, wink, nod, nod. It's important that we do it in multiple different months. You got to get the metrics right. So go to manscaped.com, use coupon code HOOPBALL20 starting tomorrow. Tomorrow would be fine, or if you want to wait till Monday, uh, and get 20% off and free shipping on whatever you get, including the fabulous Lawn Mower 3.0. Built-in LED, 75 RPMs, 90-minute charge, the best trimmer on the market. That again, of course, our buddies over at manscaped.com. It's weird to say, okay, here's the Friday card, and then think, 
you know, I'm doing this podcast about as early as I've done a show in the pandemic. We're going to have shows that that get released like 20 minutes before games start. This is going to be tough, man, but I'll do my best. I, I promise you that. Orlando, Brooklyn. Orlando's favored by seven. And this is their opportunity to leapfrog the Nets for the seven seed in the Eastern Conference, and they probably will win this ballgame. Brooklyn is a mishmash of weird pieces. Orlando is largely healthy. It would seem like Jonathan Isaac is even starting to get his legs back underneath him. So from a betting standpoint, I don't know how you lay seven points for teams that haven't played in uh, a third of a year, but the total of 210... I mean, look, if, if Orlando wasn't doing this pace thing, I think I'd just say bet the under on every single one of these games. But there's a possibility this one just turns into a track meet. And I think Brooklyn would like it to get a little bit sloppy because, frankly, they're outclassed right now from a talent standpoint. Memphis, Portland. Ooh, these are going to... Man, everybody's gunning for the Grizzlies. The Poor Memphis. They got to figure this out quick you know dame's coming for him i wouldn't expect a ton out of yusuf nurkic in this first real game back uh i think you'll see quite a lot from dame and cj maybe too much at times portland if they're really trotting out a a nurkic white side front court memphis is going to want to get some floor spacing out there and how i mean you're going to see Jonas valanciunas standing at the three-point line often in this ball game just to drag people out there's going to be room to spare. Not much in the way of uh, paint attacking possibilities, but there should be wide open jumpers for the big men on the Memphis side. And maybe even some of the little guys if they're chasing people around. Portland favored by three in this ball game, which is a little bit messed up considering Memphis was the better team during the regular season, but that is what it is. Nobody, People still don't give the Grizzlies any credit. Um, I would look at the underdog, I think, in this one. These games are all going to be hard fought. Phoenix, seven-point favorites on the (laughs) fake road at Washington. Again, I think you look at, you know, Memphis-Portland, a total of 223. That's an under I'm looking at. Phoenix-Washington. I mean, Washington, neither one of these teams has anything to play for here. So this is one where you might actually see the the total go over. Because it it might not even come down to rust. They're just going to run up and down. It's a who cares kind of thing. Milwaukee with no Eric Bledsoe, so we're already getting an opportunity for Dante DiVincenzo to do a little bit more. They're hosting, you know, fake hosting the Boston Celtics. Bucks favored by four and a half with a total of 219 and a half. Possibility of that one going under if this game becomes somewhat hotly contested. Sure. Less to play for. That's, I think, one thing you should be looking for here. And the, the games where there's a little bit less to play for, I don't know that there's... You know, those those games where things get a little bit heated, they do tend to slow down a little. And this one, it's questionable. Although, you know, I think there's something here. Boston wants to try to topple the the big guns. Milwaukee and their defense has been insane this year. That game's at 3.30. We're not even, you know, we've gone through four of these ball games, and we're not even into the evening time. The evening games, by all accounts, the Spurs have uh, a 5 o'clock start out here, so an 8 o'clock Eastern time start, and then Houston-Dallas is a true late game. That game tips at 9 o'clock Eastern time, like the Lakers game, really. So a very late start of Houston-Dallas. Sacramento-San Antonio, this one switched around fast. Spurs were actually favored in this game by, I think, 1.5, and now the Kings are favored by 3. I don't know if... 
places were even taking wagers on the opening line of Spurs being favored, but this line makes a lot more sense. It was almost like they built it as though the game was actually in San Antonio. Like, oh yeah, Spurs home game. The one point, one and a half point favorites. But no, this is a neutral site. The Kings are the better team right now. DeMar DeRozan and the the Funky Bunch, whoever the hell is left on the Spurs, against a Kings team that believes they can chase down that eight seed. And we talked about it repeatedly. I talked about it on my buddy Gil Alexander's show on VEASAN, a numbers game. We've talked about it on this podcast a couple of times. I think the Kings are one of the best values in the Western Conference because they were playing well at the time of the shutdown. Their personnel hasn't really changed other than Rashawn Holmes being in better shape than when they went down. Marvin Bagley hasn't done anything all year, so him being out is sort of inconsequential. Uh, I think the Kings win this game, and as I said on VEASAN, they have an over-under. Uh, this is only available in some weird places, but they have a, a resumption win total of 3.5. I think they could... I think they could very easily bust through that mark. Provided they don't get eliminated here quickly, four wins for them? I think they have a chance to get five or six wins. Really make life difficult on the other teams chasing down the Grizzlies. By the way, look, it's important to note that Pelican's loss yesterday was a big deal. The win for the Jazz was also kind of a big deal. And the loss for the Clippers moves them into a weird spot now where they're just a game up on the Nuggets, two games up on Utah. I don't think the Clippers fall past third, though, so they probably stay in that half of the bracket. On the other side, suddenly now the Grizzlies, who had uh, at the time a a three-and-a-half game lead on the Blazers, the Kings, and the Pels. Now they have a four-game lead on the Pels and the Spurs. Pelicans are in trouble, man. It's going to be hard to jump over the Kings and the Blazers and also gain a game on the Grizzlies in the process. But their schedule does get easier, so take that for what it's worth. Pelicans should have some easier games coming up here. Uh, Sacramento by three. um, Yeah, I mean, I think they can cover that mark. They're a weird team, though. And a total of 222 really depends on how much the Spurs care. I think I I I mean again I'm looking at almost all unders. Houston going ultra small against Dallas. This will be a hotly contested game, and I would look at the under in this one too. Mavs would love to pass the Rockets and get out of dealing with likely the Clippers in the first round. Rockets would love to stay in front of the Mavs and probably would like to get in front of the Thunder because as it stands right now, I think the Rockets would rather play the Jazz than the Nuggets in the first round. Nuggets are a better team than Utah. There's no question about it. I, you know, they're only separated by one game in the standings, but I think you could argue the Nuggets are uh, a half class above the Jazz in the Western Conference. And so if the Rockets have their druthers, they would like to move into the five seed ahead of the Thunder. They're tied right now. And definitely would love to dodge the Mavs. Would love to dodge uh, the Clippers, I should say, by falling back down where the Mavs are right now. So... Look at the under there. Dallas favored by two. I think that's going to get a lot of public money on the Rockets with James Harden and Russell Westbrook. I like Dallas in this one. Dallas is a really good basketball team that actually had fewer wins than they should have. They were also very good on the road. This is a neutral site. I think that probably parallels a road game a bit more than getting your sort of home team juices flowing. 
The Rockets, a little bit gimmicky. You wonder if teams have had time to think about what to do with Houston. And, you know, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, I know they've looked fine in the scrimmages, but, you know, both guys were not 100% healthy during the layoff. Westbrook, we know, battled COVID. If he doesn't come out with hyper-efficiency, and James Harden, you know, he's going to try to get his 35 points or whatever, but if they become more of a one-man operation, the Mavs will score on them every time down the floor, and they'll just run them out. So I like the Mavs there, and I also, again, I think the Hunter has some legs. I, I just don't, I don't trust that these teams are going to be hitting shots. And if you want the best place to place all of these wagers, open an account over at mybookie.ag. Partners with us here at HoopBall for a second go-round. They were with us back in January, February, before everybody shut the doors on sports for a few months here. But they're back, and we're so happy about it. Really big partnership going on with MyBookie. It's why they've given us this fantastic coupon code. The code is HoopBall, and it's a 100% deposit match, as little as $25 up to a grand. They'll match your deposit. Again, coupon code is HoopBall. Additionally, and who the hell knows at this point if baseball even finishes their season because there's like six teams with games postponed right now due to COVID. What I mean, we knew this was going to happen with baseball, but I'm not going to get into that right now. If you... Open your account at MyBookie. That's what we're talking about. Use the coupon code HoopBall. You also, in addition to the deposit match, get a $10 baseball futures voucher, which I know you're like, oh, 10 bucks. what can I do with that? Well, throw it on a weirdo long shot. Who the hell knows what's going to happen in baseball? It's a 16-team playoff. Someone could just get hot. Throw it on, like, a 10-to-1 underdog, and maybe you turn that free $10 voucher into 100 bucks. Pretty damn cool coupon code. Hoopball over at mybookie.ag. You bet you win. They pay. From a fantasy standpoint, and I think that's probably the last thing we need to look at in these games, you know, the, the only questions you have is it's not like we're going to make a pickup or a drop, most likely, unless there's some big injury news happening here, leading up to the first resumption game for these teams. What you are doing is trying to figure out if the last guy on your bench, basically, if you're 9th, 10th, 11th, whatever round draft picks, you should dump them into your lineup tonight. Should you dump them into your lineup? So, you know, for a team like Brooklyn, you're talking about maybe someone like a Garrett Temple. And I would say probably, yeah, because I think Orlando wants to play a little faster these days and there's just no one else there. You're, you're talking about uh, like a Carmelo Anthony, on Portland. By the way, I think the answer to that one is probably not. You're talking about a Troy Brown on Washington. Is it worth throwing these guys into the lineup before we know exactly what they're going to do? Dante DiVincenzo. Derek White. Seth Curry. Daniel House, who's starting for Eric Gordon. Is it worth throwing these dudes into your lineup before getting one game to assess them. Two days ago on the podcast, I said the answer to a lot of those is going to be no. Now, it's it's player-dependent. It's absolutely positively case-by-case. Case. So, like, with someone like Daniel House, I think the answer is probably no. Because with Eric Gordon set to miss probably the entire resumption, this is a perfectly good opportunity to see what he might be able to do 
with Rob Covington, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook all playing. If any of those guys sit out a game, then you definitely throw him in there. But with Eric Gordon sitting out, I don't know that it changes what he does that much. You know, maybe from a top 180 to like a top 140 kind of thing. Um, you know, Garrett Temple, I said, was probably a yes. I think he's going to have an opportunity the entire resumption and waiting one game. You know, it's not like anybody's coming back for Brooklyn. The only question, I guess, is, you know, there's no Jamal Crawford. Tyler Johnson, Jamal Crawford, could they potentially push Temple out of some minutes? I guess, which means that your opportunity here is probably more so at the front end. What other name? Uh, Troy Brown, we just mentioned. Troy Brown Jr. on Washington. Do you throw him in there for his first game? Um, Maybe. Not helpful, Dan. Yeah, I probably would. Phoenix, it's going to be a high-scoring game, so probably tilts. But, I mean, on the borderline, DiVincenzo, yeah, I probably do with no blood so around. I know that he's not a point guard, but it just sort of opens things up a little bit. What about like a Derek White on San Antonio? I think I'd probably wait a game to see what the hell his role is going to be. They're missing their big men. My love for Derek White has a lot to do with the fact that I think DeMar DeRozan is going to sit the second half of this resumption. So there's all these little should I or shouldn't I type of fringe guys where if you're in a league with a games cap, that's what we're talking about right now. If you're in a league with a games cap, the Roto Leagues probably do, games cap of either eight or nine per position. There are spots where you can wait one game just to see what a guy might do. KCP was a good example of that yesterday. Josh Hart, J.J. Reddick, guys like that. I probably sit them. I know Reddick ended up having a good ball game, but two out of three of those guys did not. It's important to know what is this person's role really going to look like? Is it different? Is it the same? Should I be moving on from them for some other fringe guy who maybe has a slightly better path to... I don't know, usage or shots. This is really all we're assessing at this point in time. couple of teams playing on Saturday, by the way, that uh, won't have played by the end of today. Um, we'll be through, I think, 16 of the 22 teams by the time tonight is done. Miami and Denver have their first game on Saturday. They'll play each other. The Nuggets are favored by one and a half. That's a really narrow spread, and I don't know if that's because Teams don't trust Denver or Miami is suddenly getting too much love. By the way, that game's at 10 a.m. here on the Pacific Coast. How awesome. Thunder have their first game. You know, I was looking at this game a couple days ago and thinking maybe Thunder is an interesting play. Utah having a game to tune up actually makes me think the Jazz might be the play in this one. The rust will have come off a little bit on that side. Pelicans are playing the Clippers, so their schedule doesn't get easier until after that. Their first two games are hard, and then it gets a lot simpler, but they could be eliminated by the time this game is done. Philly and Indiana have their first game of the resumption on Saturday. Sixers favored by five and a half in that ballgame. I still don't think they fully lock in until the playoffs start. So there's an opportunity there maybe to go the Indiana route and also possibly the under. And then Lakers are playing the Raptors. Lakers favored by four. I think Toronto might win that game outright frankly. I know the Lakers have already played one, but big win over the Clippers. This is a this is a letdown spot, if ever there was one. And I know, again, I just said I like Utah because they already played one game, and the Thunder do have something to play for. So, uh, kind of factors fighting up against one another, but that's on Saturday. And then by Sunday, everybody, I believe, will have played. 
you're into second games now for all these teams. You kind of have to be because they've only got two weeks to get them in. No lines out for those games, by the way. Washington is in uh, playing Brooklyn. Nets will probably, that'll probably be pretty close, actually. Pretty tight spread. Portland, Boston, you'll see the Celtics favored by a couple of points there. Spurs, Grizz, Memphis, uh, That'll likely be another must-win game. for Everything's a must-win game for Memphis. Sacramento, Orlando, winnable game there. You probably... I mean, you might actually see... That, that'd be pretty close to a pick em. Maybe Kings by a point. Milwaukee will be favored uh, over Houston, and Dallas will have a pretty good size spread over Phoenix. That'll probably be the biggest spread on the board, the, uh, the Dallas-Phoenix game on Sunday. And then we'll be back to do it all over again on Monday. Again, not really going to do a reverse chronological lightning round. We will go through the results of the weekend, but it won't be like, hey, here's everybody's most recent game. We're just going to talk about interesting stuff because, I mean, what the hell? I, like, everything's so damn weird right now. I, I honestly don't know what to do. We're just going to sort of plunk our way through everything, and where we end up, we end up. Reminder, once again, everybody, if you're joining us for the first or relatively early time, we continue to recruit here at HoopBall. If you want to be part of our gambling division, there are three excellent names over there. We'd love to continue to grow that or our sales department. I know it's a weird time. A lot of folks are out of work. A lot of folks are working night jobs. A lot of folks are doing, you know, uh, food delivery to, to make a few bucks on the side. If you have daytime availability to make phone calls, Hoopball's looking for salespeople. It's a well-commissioned gig. Hit me up, at Dan Bespers on Twitter, or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Last thing I want to note before we wrap things up for the weekend, head to hoop-ball.com. There are a lot of really interesting new features over at the site. The forum has been completely retooled completely retooled the podcasts page has been completely retooled it's very cool and some new logos by the way just to pretty things up a little bit so brand new forums uh you've got season-long fantasy forum you got a dfs forum you got a forum for uh hoopball tv so the live shows a forum for gambling team forums for all 30 clubs so if you have team specific questions that's where you can drop those in there uh, house business forum. There are tools you can use now in your posting. And maybe the best part of all is those that do a lot of forum work, those that are in the forums, posting, interacting, and, and kind of building that hoopball community, built-in discounts on anything you get at hoopball. Draft guide, game time premium, you name it. If you're an active forum participant, you just get discounts turned on. So go check that out, hoop-ball.com. You click on the Community tab. And again, that's just getting started right now. So uh, explore. I'm still learning it myself. Have a lovely weekend, everybody. I am Dan Baspris. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Cross your fingers. Baseball makes it through the weekend. Things are rough over there. The bubble. The bubble lives on. I love it. Basketball's back, baby. Uh, I'm going to go turn on my TV because games start in two hours. I hope you'll do the same. So long. We'll talk to you Monday. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.